0: come <laughs> join Andrew wall
1: Hector Garcia
2: and Michael Lee
0: one mission one rule make accounting fun welcome to Friday night live with accountants are you ready
1: are you ready guys uh we're here with a special Friday night live we're we're talking QB connect again because it's less than a week away um we got a special thing I got my QB Connect swag on. I got my gear. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get started with some uh, precursors to QB Connect. So Michael and Hector, you guys are going to give us a little bit about what you're going to be speaking at QB Connect, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Tonight we're going to be doing a little teaser of um, our respective talks. Not the whole thing, just a little teaser and get some feedback from each other on that so we can be uh, better uh, for next week. And, And also Hector's presentation is going to be part of a larger workshop that he'll be teaching uh, after QuickBooks Connect uh, for a four-week period. So, Hector, you want to share a little bit about that before we get started?
2: Sure. Um, uh, I'm excited about QuickBooks Connect. We're talking about it again. I'll I'll make a quick comment about that. Uh, Our audience, our, our, our friends and family and colleagues that watch us and hear us uh, this podcast, there's basically two groups of them, right? The ones that go to QuickBooks Connect and understand the euphoria that we get uh, from the conference, the nerdphoria, uh, and the ones that just really don't understand what is all this talk about QB Connect and such. And, and, and for that group, i like to say, you kind of have to experience it. You kind of have to go out there and, uh, and see what it is. The conference is great. The speakers are great. The venue is great. There's music, there's booze, but that's not the reason why we adore it so much. The reason why we adore it so much is because we go hang out with friends that we can't hang out with all year long. And we get mm-hmm. to talk about our clients and our client problems and our cloud technology uh, issues and our, and, our, and our success stories and our horror stories. And, and, and it's three days super intense of tons of sharing and connecting with other people. And that stuff is super exciting. For me, I walk around QuickBooks Connect. People come to me. They ask me questions. They comment about my videos and my channel. And they want to hang out and they want to talk. And and I ask people questions and they answer and they they give me inside information about their business and decisions they made and how much they pay their employees and how much they charge their clients. Things that in any other type of conference, any other industry, people wouldn't do because they would see it as a competition and this is the one place where you're you're next to 4000 competitors that really all want to be your friend so that's a really interesting and different experience and, and and me having the privilege of going to hang out with michael and andrew and all my other quickbooks friends how my wife calls my social media friends my quickbooks friends that is a true privilege and and, and it's a great time to be alive it's a great time to be in this industry, and uh, and if you enjoy it as much as, as as we do, come talk to us. Come hang out with us. And my session is called Alt Accountant, which is going to be a, a hundred minute version of a multi week uh, sort of coaching mentorship uh, workshop that uh, that I, that I teach. I we, I taught it earlier this year. It was actually six weeks earlier this year. We got we condensed it down to four weeks. And I did that with my friend Kirk Bowman, who was my partner in crime in the Art of Advisory uh, podcast that we did weekly last year. And, uh, and he's kind of doing, he's doing bigger and better things. And he's like, you, uh, you know, Hector, you can take over and, and, and take it to the next level. And I invited Michael to be my co-host in that program because Michael's perfect fit for that because he can fill in all the great advisory and virtual uh, practice Knowledge that he knows, and I can talk about some of my value pricing experience and and, and and experience innovating. So I'm very excited to teach it at QuickBooks Connect, and I'm also very excited to teach it in the live program later on. So that's uh, that's my rant, and I'll stop there.
0: Well, that's great. That's great. And uh, yeah, you know, Hector, that was a great explanation. QuickBooks Connect, you just got to come. You gotta, just got to come and experience it, and um, and you'll have a, a great, great, great time. Um, we always have a great time. And, and frankly, I wouldn't be, um, really close friends with these, with these two guys without Quick Wix Connect. It's our opportunity to connect and meet with one another. I've made so many friends in the industry because of it. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward, uh, to the time together. So, um, it's gonna, it's gonna be great. And we hope to see all you there and please feel free to come, come up and, and meet us. If we don't know you, or if you're a listener or watcher of the show, come up and meet us. We're going to be at the different parties. Uh, the different events. Um, come see our sessions. You can sign up on the QuickBooks Connect app for the sessions. Um, make sure you get in so that Hector's, you know, Hector's is going to get full, of course. And um, I've got two sessions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a teaser of the five key skills for advisory services on the show tonight. Uh, and I have a, a session with my HR director from Reconciled on Thursday, um, the second day of the event, called hiring for culture fit. But tonight I will be talking about uh, the five key skills for advisory so why don't I go ahead and share uh, this and then you know uh, Andrew Andrew and Hector are going to give me some feedback I'll go for about 20 minutes I'll give some they'll give some feedback and then we'll do Hector's teaser for about 20 minutes and and we'll give Hector some feedback um, for the feedback we can give because Hector of course is a master at presentation um, and I'm just uh, I'm I'm his pad one right now so uh, I will be uh, learning here So why don't we go again, get started here. Let me get uh, my screen shared. Great. Awesome. You guys see my screen okay? Awesome. Great, so presentation I'll be doing next week um, at QuickBooks Connect, this is a little teaser, it's called the Five Key Skills to Advisory Services. And uh, really the focus I'm gonna be taking with this presentation and for you today, the audience today is to teach you, um, if you are a bookkeeper, an accountant, um, a service provider of any kind, what are the five key skills to advisory services? So this is really relevant for you, not just as a CPA or an accountant or a bookkeeper. This is for anyone providing B2B services to small business owners, entrepreneurs, startup leaders. If you're in that profession, I'm going to give you a little teaser on two of the skills I will be talking more about at QuickBooks Connect next week. Um, but I will be, and I will be presenting five in total that I believe are the key skills, um, especially for um, accounts and bookkeepers, but also for anybody in providing B two B services or advisory services. We call it in the industry. Now, advisory services spans a huge scope, right? And you've heard this term; it's a the buzz term. It was probably the 2018 buzz term. It's continued into 2019. Um, it's, it spans CFO services. It spans coaching services. It spans mentoring services. Um, but in many ways, five key skills to advise these services is really going to pertain to you as uh, a bookkeeper and accountant. And you're going to need these. So here's the uh, one of the five skills is ask great questions. I call this skill number three. And if you want to hear about skill number one and two, come to the session next week. Skill number three, ask great questions. Now, why is this important? Asking the right questions in an advisory session or in advisory services is super important. There's a variety of reasons. Questions bring up uh, insights into both the customer you're speaking to as well as gives you insights about the customer you're speaking to. So the question is not only for the customer, for your client that you're speaking to, the question is for you. And even though you're directing this question to your customer for them to answer, the purpose of the question is not just for them to answer the question so that you get insights about them. The question is for you as well, but also for the customer to get inside as about well, themselves. Great questions go a long way for you to be a skilled advisor. The wisest men in history ask great questions. If you think about the wisest men in histories, whether that was Jesus Christ, the Dalai Lama, uh, Gandhi, they all asked great questions. And oftentimes when you read about their lives or read about the interactions they have, they led with questions and not with answers. And those questions helped their audience come to the answers that the teachers, that these wise men were trying to teach. And so asking great questions is a really hard skill to develop because we often do not spend time thinking through the questions We want to ask. We think advisory services primarily, and most of us think it's primarily about answering questions. We also think it's about giving answers to questions or giving giving answers to problems. But really, the best advisors I've met with, the best coaches, the best mentors I've had, the best CFOs I've met with and, and been mentored by, the common theme... Is they ask great questions and that allows the customers that are hearing the questions to actually come up with the final answers themselves and I would argue that ultimately is the best advisory uh, that you can get is when you can get a customer to answer their own questions and to give themselves the feedback you want to get them to which is where you're going to lead them to anyways now I do want to talk about two types of questions process questions and succession questions process, process questions are questions related to maybe a process issue that your customer is dealing with they're stuck with why is the supply chain process at work going too long uh, why can't your why can't an employee get them specific reports in a timely manner why are employees Or customers or vendors in conflict. That's a process question. And what's great about a process question is that bookkeepers, accountants, people in our profession, we get process. We understand it intuitively. Uh, We're good at it. So come up with a great process question. And I'm going to give some examples of questions on the next slide. Another set of questions are succession questions. And these are questions that most entrepreneurs are not asking themselves right now. Succession questions are questions related to what's their plan um, when they succeed? What's their plan when they fail? Who's going to take over? Who's going to be in charge next? So, you know, often an entrepreneur has no idea who the next leaders are going to be in their business. Who are the next people that they're going to hire? Who's going to take over if the proverbial crap hits the fan? Um, what is the plan if they get hit by a bus? Do they have the leaders in place? Do they have the information in place, the documents in place for the business to continue? Do they have key man life insurance already involved for the business to continue? Does somebody, their spouse, know what the intent, what their the entrepreneur's intentions are for the business if the entrepreneur dies. Does the spouse know those intentions so that they can go to the management team and say, hey, my, you know, the person that just died that ran this business, he, he left me the shares. His intentions were to leave the business with employees or to leave the business to the management team or to the board. So those are great succession questions. And they're almost always not thought of by the entrepreneur because most entrepreneurs think they're invincible. They think they're still in college sometimes. They're invincible, and that never would happen to them. So succession questions. Another great question is to ask your customer how they consume data. Now, bookkeepers and accountants love data, and they love presenting data, but they often don't ask the key question. How do your customers like to actually see data? Are your customers the type of customer that like to see every detail? That's pretty rare. And most customers, when they see data, detail, it's detail paralysis. They honestly cannot make informed decisions with that much detail. So the question you want to ask your customer is, how would they like to consume the data um, that you're going to provide them? Are they the type of person that would like a summary of it in, with three key or five key points? Would they like two or three uh, pages of data? Would um, they like a PowerPoint? Or would they like a a text message with an audio recording of you providing information? Those are all important because it's going to help you provide value to them on how you present the data that you're collecting um, for them. And you're going to present in regards uh, to the advice you're giving. If you're doing coaching, which is a part of advisory, and you're in the area of coaching, all coaching is, is about asking the right questions. Coaching is not about providing the right answers. In fact, coaching has nothing to do with whether you're even an expert in the field that your customers in. Coaching is all about asking the right questions and guiding your customer to the to the answering those questions for themselves so that they come up with the best solutions for their problems. In advisory, the better the question, the greater the value. Let me say that again, the better the question, the greater the value. So if you can spend some time before each advisory session with your clients coming up with three to five great questions, I guarantee you, you will spend, you could take up an hour, two hours with just those three to five great questions. Great questions come to an end with great solutions. And those great solutions are usually given by your customer answering those great questions, not by you. And lastly, tone and approach. It's important that you drive great questions with the right tone and the right approach. The way you ask a question will determine how your customer receives it. If you ask the question in a, in a way where they, the customer assumes there's only one right answer, they're only going to give you the answer that you want them, they, they think you want them to, to say. But if you ask the question in a tone and approach that is inquisitive, that is welcoming, that speaks, that says you want to explore with them, then you're, cu- you're inviting your customer on a journey with you on the great question. So here's some examples of questions I've put together for you. What aspect of your business energizes you the most and why what is keeping you up at night that's an easy one what are you hoping to walk away with from our time together that would make it a valuable time for you how do you see prefer to see financial data in summary or in detail what processes in your business are taking the most manual work to complete So here are some examples of questions that you could use in uh, an advisory session with your customer and would be very easy for you to ask. And frankly, you could spend the rest of your time digging deeper in the answers they give to these specific questions. So question or thought, think for yourself, what questions would unlock insights for your customers today? What questions would unlock your insights for your customers today? All right, the, the, sec- the fourth skill I'm going to talk about is active listening. Active listening is something that most of us are terrible at. Many of us, when we start listening to somebody after we ask a question, and you know, I just spent skill three on asking great questions, you actually need to now spend the time listening. And you're listening not only for the direct answer, from the customer or from your client, you're listening for the indirect answer they're giving you. They're giving it through their words, but they're also giving it through the tone in which they answer the question, their body language, if you're either face-to-face or virtual by video, and their emotions, the emotions that you sense from the way they're answering the questions. And the only way you're gonna be able to sense those things is through active listening. You have two ears, you know, everyone's heard this adage, you have two ears, one mouth. Use those two ears accordingly and use your mouth less often. So start practicing active listening. It starts in the sales process. If you begin your relationship with your customer in the sales process, where you've asked great questions in the sales process, and you've spent most of that time listening and not talking, your customer will learn and come to expect that you are a great listener and that you care, you actually care about them, and that you're not spending your time formulating answers, which is often what we end up doing with most people in our lives. If you're honest with yourself, when is the last time you had a conversation with a friend or a family member where you spoke the least amount? Think about that. So if you do that with family and friends, you are do, you're probably more often than not doing that with your customers. And the reason why is because you think, and we all assume, if a customer's p- spending money on, for my services, they're spending money for me to talk. And that is actually not the right conclusion. The reason a customer's spending money on you is for for you to help them come to a solution or problem, for you to unlock value that they cannot find themselves. And I would argue, and I believe the answer is, that value is going to be the best unlocked, not by you talking, but by you asking great questions and then listening to the responses to those questions so it starts in the sales process active listening can be helped by a few things physically taking notes okay now i know a lot of people love taking notes in an electronic form like on their laptop while they're you know, typing or they might have a smartphone they might be taking notes there's been no studies done yet on physically taking notes on electronic devices that actually helps you with your memory. The only studies that have been done is that actually taking pen or pencil to a pad and writing down notes gives you 50, 50% more retention of what was said, even if you never go back to the notes. So I have, I have a pad, physical pads that I keep notes on, that I keep notes in, and I almost rarely never go back to the pads. The reason why I do it is because there's two reasons. I'm showing the customer that I'm actually listening because I'm taking notes and I let the customer know, what am I doing? Hey, hey on this session, I'm going to be writing down notes. So I want, I want you to know I'm writing down notes and paying attention. Okay. And secondly, it helps you retain. It helps you actually listen by writing down the notes. So physically taking notes is going to help you. The other way you're going to help reinforce this active listening is you need to come up with a summary of what you heard from your customer. So After they spent some time answering your great question that you ask, come up with a summary and answer, or, or res- come up with a summary and respond in summary to what you heard. You say, okay, let me, get, let me summarize what you just said to me, so I want to make sure I, di- I, I heard you. You summarize it, and you summarize two or three key highlights. I did that this morning with a coaching client. I had them write down three things that were a top of mind, top issues on them, and I asked them I also had them write down the emotions they felt. So after they said that, I repeated the three things and I repeated the emotions they felt to make, to make ensure that they knew I was listening and that I cared about them. Repeat in summary what you hear. And then after your session's done, always follow up with a summary of the session that you had. So it could be a summary of the questions you asked, a summary of the answers, and the summary of the next action steps that you concluded with. Why is that important? It shows to your customer that you actually listened the whole session, that you took great notes and that you care about them. That's active listening. In summary, talk less than your customer, always. Try to, take, try to have every session with your customer, unless that session is specifically meant for you to give, to talk, meaning for example you're doing a tax re- return review right and the customer wants you to review the tax return with you or review the financial statement with you so it's meant for you to be talking most of the time reality is most of your advisory sessions should be you talking less and your customer talking more and that's that's going to be done through great questions and active listening the dalai lama quote when you talk you're only repeating what you already know but if you listen you may learn something new. Remember, your advisory sessions are not just for your customer. They're actually also for you. They're for you to, be co- to learn how to become a better advisor. And you can only do that if you listen and you active listen. All right, guys, that's the session. Let me stop my share. A little teaser of the session, just two of the points.
1: I think it's got some great content in there, Mike. Um, I'd love to see a bit more of your, uh, your personality and your energy. Um, I know it's, you're doing it. This is your first pass through it. So I know it's going to get better and better every time you do it. I'd also love to see some personal anecdotes in there of like, like examples of stories that, that you've done, like give us a scenario of, of, you know, a situation where a client came in and you were able to use that active listening and it, and it resulted in, know, a better win, either for the customer or for you. Um, I love concrete examples and anecdotes. I think that goes a long way. But great content.
0: Great. Thanks, Andrew. That's great. That's a really great feedback.
2: Yeah, just a quick feedback at the at the beginning where you were making the, the introduction, which is a really good introduction about sort of setting up why great questions are important. Um, I think I would have sprinkled a couple of those questions in the introduction just to get people a bit more sort of connected with it. Because uh, some people uh, tend to sort of, when introductions are a bit long, they get a bit angsty about, okay, can you get to the content? Can you get to the content? You know, it's only an hour, you know, if you spend too much in introduction, you know, that sort of thing. So you could, I think you can achieve it by just sort of throwing in some of the content uh, in- intercalated with, uh, with the introduction.
0: That's great. So maybe even starting off that session with asking a great question and having the audience just like think for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Go, Here's yeah, an example. Actually- yeah, that's great. Okay. That's really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Like, like you think about one of the best questions you ever asked or, or you've ever been asked. Like I just heard one in a podcast the other day. It blew my mind how great this question is. <laughs> I mean, it's like so good. Um, the question is, after you don't do your presentation or, or you're about to get into closing mode, you ask the, the prospect, if you had any questions about me or about this deal or about our firm, what would... No, sorry. If you had any reservations or any objections about me or about this deal or about about my firm, what would they be? If you had any objections about this deal, wow. what would they be? Great question because wow. you're not saying what are your objections? You're saying if you had them. So you basically take the person out of it and you know, be hypothetical. Sa- same, same thing with just, there's just better questions. Uh, Rory Sutherland, one of I'm a big fan of him from Ogilvy. He uh, explained that in the 2016 uh, election in the U.S., there was 97% of the polls said Hillary would win, 3% said Trump would win, and the difference between the polls is that the ones that predicted Hillary would win would ask this question: "Who are you going to vote for?" But the ones that predicted Trump would win Guess what the question was? Who is your neighbor gonna vote for? Mind blown. When I thought about that, it was so I mean there, there's so much depth that is to that. So right?
0: good. yes. Yeah, so so
2: good. good. And and that, that proves to you that that the way you frame a question will get you the a much better answer. And it's essentially the same question, just framed way different. Um, you know, without getting into the details of politics, but 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 if you think about it, that, that question makes sense, and that's mm. why. It was surprising to so many people. So think about it; just a great question, get people thinking about it, hmm. or 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 something like that, or um, and 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 maybe that would
1: set up. A, but otherwise, I think it was uh, fantastic.
0: Great, thanks. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Great feedback.
1: The one other comment I, I should uh, mention, because I know there's some comments um, in the commentary, is uh, just be careful on the language um, and make sure it's inclusive um, and um, you know not gender biased.
0: That's great. That's great. All right, Hector, you're up. Batter up. I don't know what, well, how we're going to critique Hector here, but uh, <laughs> let's do, do it. I we try to? our best. Do
1: I have to? OK. <laughs> Two years, one years, less is more, right?
2: <laughs> so I want to, uh, this just occurred to me when you were, you were talking about taking great notes. I want to give a, a shout out to uh, a QuickBooks Connect, a Qubic Connect um, attendee that took these notes, the ones you're seeing on the screen here, I don't know if you can see my screen already. She takes yeah. graphical notes and she sent them to me saying, hey, I loved your session. Here's the notes that I took. And it was five pages worth of notes. And I photoshopped it all into one big thing. And I have it in a poster in, in, uh, in my office because it was just so great. Um, so she learned a technique that I don't know what it's called, which is sort of a graphical uh, note taking that just helps you visualize it a lot better. So I don't know. Um, her name is Karen Rayborn. I don't know exactly uh, how she learned this technique, but I've, i I want to learn it because I love that type of visual uh, note-taking. Okay. So let me switch over to my PowerPoint. Can you see my PowerPoint? Yep. Okay. So this is called the Alt Accountant Pricing, Positioning, and Innovation Workshop. Again, for some context, this is a sort of this is lifetime of learning from from me of learning how to become an accountant that proudly says that is different than the rest right i i proudly walk around that i'm the alternative to what most people think accountants are and, and i'm not the only one out there there's many alt accountants uh, out there i think michael very much is one and andrew is very much as one but it's sort of a name we gave it to just is a combination between alternative and sort of the techie version of alt, right? So it's a, it's an, it's a second option. It's a different option. It's, it's uh it's, it's something new, uh, refreshing. And there was, there's many things that I've learned in, in, uh, in my lifetime, uh, as Michael says, giving good advice, great advice to a client is one of the most priceless things that we can do. But before we get to the point where we can actually, uh, give great advice where we can do advisory, we have to do three things. One is we need to position ourselves as an advisor. Our client needs to see us as an advisor before they take the advice or take action on the advice. Because there's plenty of people giving their opinion and advice on things. But until you're positioned to be the person that gives that person advice, we're supposed to help that person, they're not going to listen to you. So until you're seen as the expert, or as a person that's credible or a person that's been there, done that, your advice is not going to mean that much. Now, that's different than coaching, by the way. Coaching means helping someone uh, sort of come to realization about their own doubts. Uh, advice is a combination of helping the client uh, through their issues, but also giving them ideas and saying, in my experience, we can try this. In my experience, we can try that. So that's where positioning comes in. You have to be able uh, to present yourself as a person that's that's fit to do that. That was meant to give that personal advice. The second one to me, it's pricing. If you if you don't price your advice, if you don't get paid for your advice, sorry, it was just an opinion, right? So it needs to be a commercial transaction. You need to be able to price the advice. So to me, pricing has been very influential. And the third one is uh, innovation. Uh, we, we um giving traditional advice about traditional things. It's not having a lot of value anymore. Uh, The business world is moving super fast. Technology is moving super fast. If you yourself as an accountant, you're not innovating yourself. When your client is asking you a question about how to manage this avalanche of innovation and change, how are you going to be fit to do that? So as an accountant yourself, you need to be innovating, reinventing yourself. That's why the workshop is about these three things. So we're going to talk about just positioning today. That's going to be the only thing that we'll discuss. Now, the very first most important thing to becoming an alt accountant is to break through the accountant stereotypes. Right? Typical accountant stereotypes are they're bold, they're dull, sorry, they're dull, they're boring, they're technical, right? Professorial, you know, they're gonna cite some sort of tax code. That's unfortunately that's a stereotype. The second one is that we're generalists. Most accountants don't like to deep dive into anything. Like they'll give a general rule or general advice and they're afraid to get really deep into the weeds because then they're going to be dragged in, you know, into all their clients' personal problems and they really don't want to get that. So most accountants just kind of stay in like overall compliance, overall general advice. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give you legal advice. I'm not a marketer, so I can't give you marketing advice. I'm not an operator. So that's, the challenge that a lot of accountants have, they're just, they want to stay in that general role, generalist role, because they don't want any liability or that, again, they don't want to be maybe dragged into all the client's problems or whatever their mindset might be. So this is a mindset change. This is a revolution of mindset that we're trying to uh, uh, do here. And the last one is accountants are cheap and accountants are frugal. And a lot of us wear that with a batch of pride. I do. I want my clients to think I'm cheap and frugal when it comes to helping them save money right? But I don't want them to to think I'm cheap and frugal with my time to them. I don't want them to think I'm cheap and frugal with the quality I would deliver for them. I don't want them to think that I'm cheap and frugal with my knowledge. I don't want them to think that I'm going to hold back, okay? So these are the three stereotypes that we need to break through, right? That we're boring, that we don't know that much about about anything when, when it comes to diving deep. And the third one is that we're cheap and frugal. So the antidote, (laughs) the antidote to this uh, stereotype uh, is going to be three prongs. So we'll talk about each one. So the first antidote to being boring technical uh, is use layman terms. Don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about accounting. Don't talk about what the IRS wants. Don't talk about rules. Talk about what the client wants. Talk about them, right? Uh, or, or, Or if anything, let them talk about them. Listen about them right? So if if you want to not be seen as a technical boring person, get the client to speak. All you have to do is do a couple of nuts and uh, grunts to acknowledge that you're listening. And as long as the conversation is about them, their problems, their issues, their aspirations, their clients, they will no longer see you as this boring, technical, dull person. Second one is, and it seems kind of obvious, but so little people actually apply this, is Stop being a generalist. Like I just saw in a Facebook post, someone that that put, hey, I'm going to give out business cards on the little treat bags while trickle treating. You know, my neighbors, some of them might be business owners and they might read my business card and maybe they'll hire me as a bookkeeper. It's like, dude, that's that's not a great technique. That's the opposite. Because what you're saying is that the only requirement for you to take on the client is the fact that they have kids that eat candy. So there's absolutely no relationship between your expertise and who your target client is. So, when you give handout business cards at random just to try to throw something at the wall to see what sticks, that's being an uber generalist. A, a specialist goes so deep and so narrow that says no 90% of the times before they say yes. Your ability to say no is actually one of the most important things as a specialist. You gotta be able to only take the clients that you can add tons of value for, and you can stand out, right? And f- for that, you got to become an authority in something very specific. To become an authority in something very specific, you have to do it a hundred times. You have to talk about it a hundred times. You have to write about it a hundred times. You have to do a podcast about it, do a video about it a hundred times. And and, and and I know it's, it's repetitive and boring for us to, to to just do one thing and do it over and over, but there comes a point in time where, yes, as a specialist, you will have a lot less potential customers. That's true. But you're going to be a little fish in a big pond, right? But as a specialist, you will be a big fish in a small pond. People will all gravitate towards you, right? And then people will say, you know what? I I don't want to hire anyone else ever. You, you, you You were put on earth to save my business. You were put on earth to help me grow. That's how people need to see you as a specialist, one that cares about the things that the client also cares about. And the last one is on the whole concept of being cheap and frugal, spend more time with your customers. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your knowledge. Give away free resources, podcasts, the way we're doing it now. We're spending every Friday night talking about this. This is not for fame. We're not charging anyone money. We're And also, we're not calling ourselves generous. We have fun with this. But the people that watch us talk about stuff and read our stuff, and and, and it feels that like we're giving away free stuff, that's 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 abundance. That's being generous. And clients like to deal with generous providers, right? Do you want to go to a restaurant that they use only cheap ingredients? No, right? Do you want to go to any service provider that uses the cheapest equipment to cut your grass or, or is super stingy about putting... Uh, fertilizer only on certain parts of the grass instead of doing the whole thing? Or do you want to go to a doctor that only has one scalpel and one set of gloves, right? Because I don't want to spend too much money on scalpel and gloves. No, you're like, brand new scalpel for me and throw it away. I want brand new. F-. So generosity and abundance, it's a big part of your brand. And, and accountants, we, we, we're we so far in the opposite end of this, okay? And it is a problem with zero-sum mentality, which we'll we'll discuss in a second. So kind of the reason I want to help you break through this concept is because it's true. In an accountant's brain, debits always equals credits. This is our formal training, right? In our formal training, it's all about balance, right? In order for an account to gain, another one has to lose. The problem is this translates really poorly in the real world. Debits and credits is a zero sum mentality. If you think In debits and credits, if your mind is designed about debits and credits, that means that you don't believe in win-win. You don't believe in two sides gaining. You only believe in one side gaining and the other side losing. That's how debits and credits are fundamentally based. So I don't blame accountants for having a zero sum mentality. This is part of their training. Now, I was blessed with being a marketer before I was an accountant. And in marketing, what we're taught is that marketing drives the value, not cost. And marketing has no cost. Marketing is just brand and concepts. We conceptually make something worth more because we conceptually uh, convince the client that something is worth more. That's what a brand is. A brand creates value out of nothing. Where accounting doesn't understand brand value, accounting only understands cost, which, which is why there's a zero sum mentality. So when I heard Ron Baker say this, it blew my mind. I mean, in so many ways, it really rattled my cage. He says in the real world, debits don't equal credits. What this means is that when I hire someone to cut my hair is because I prefer to pay $25 and look nice and I win. I, I won. Trust me, saving $25 and cutting my own hair, hair would be a losing proposition. Yes, I saved the $25, but I'll look like crap. Now my barber prefers my 20, my $20, $25 or whatever, versus the alternative of staying home and playing video games or whatever. So my barber is glad to spend 30 minutes cutting my hair and take my $25, and I'm glad to give somebody $25 to cut my hair. That's called a win-win situation. That is the opposite of zero sum. So when, when, when Ron Baker explained this, it just blew my mind. It is possible for me as an accountant to take an enormous amount of money from my client and my client thank me for it. And, and when you think like that, it just changes the way the way you think, right? Because you don't know what you're worth to your client. You don't know what your services are worth to your client. Your client doesn't know what you and your services are worth until you perform it and you get the, the output out of it. But if, you're, if you know what you're doing and you transform your client, transform your client's thinking, transform your client's business, whatever they pay you to them was a $25 haircut. So that's something that just completely made me change the way I think. So entrepreneurs, our customers, they don't have a zero-sum game. They wake up every morning. They work their butts off. They never feel that they get what they, you know, the return of what they put in but yet they wake up every single morning and hustle and do it over and over and over again. As accountants, we know this, we hear our clients, we hear their struggle. So if they don't have a zero sum mentality, why should we? But that leads me to the concept of having an abundance mindset and shying away from the scarcity mindset. So when it comes to the three strategies, which is positioning, pricing your services and having disruptive innovation. Most accountants that have a scarcity mindset, again, because it's just a switch in your head. It's literally a switch. When 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 we propose, hey, do positioning, do focus, do specialization, the scarcity mindset, the scarcity side of you says, oh no, that's not a good idea. That's less total customers or potential customers for me. Why would I specialize in niche and narrow when I'm narrowing down my customer base, but someone with an abundant mindset would think of the same problem differently. They would think, you know what? Now there's more services I can perform for my niche customer base. There's more I can do. I know a lot more uh, I, I, that that the average other person. I can do a lot more for them. I can do a lot more than just compliance. I can do advisory, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What about? Pricing your services. Most accountants, again, the the, the traditional accountants, when every time ta- every time a complex, weird, different project comes along, what what do they think? I better charge for my hard work, right? I better charge by the hour. I better track my hours. I better charge up front, which is not a bad idea, by the way. But I better I better charge. I better charge. I better tra- I better track and charge. My clients are too cheap. Every accountant I speak to. Oh, Hector, I can't value price. My clients are too cheap. The antidote to that would be just changing your mindset. Just instead of saying that, say, I will charge a fraction for the value I create. My clients will always pay for more value, period. Now, when it comes to disruptive innovation, which is all about reinventing yourself and breaking your own system, even though it it works, because that's the problem with successful accountants is that their system works, right? They've been charging $300 an hour forever. They have a thousand clients. You know, they're always busy. Why would you change? Why would you look at things differently? Why would I take unnecessary risks? And somebody with an abundant mindset would say something like, you know what? A new product, a new service, a new approach will provide my customer choices. Choices someone that's been with an accountant for 20 years they don't have a choice they get a bill it's 3.7 hours times 375 dollars an hour pay the bill move on they don't get choices they don't feel like even the provider is giving choices they're just saying give me the work i'll do it here's the bill and new choices new thinking always brings new opportunities all transformation is linguistic all transformation is linguistic You cannot transform until you figure out the word that you you need to use in order to understand what the transformation looks like. All transformation is linguistic. The words that we use to talk to our clients, the words that we use to talk to our brain are the only ones that help us transform. Think about it. Without language, could we even think? Without language, could we even think? we will only think in abstract terms. What language does is language enables different parts of our brain to think through problems. And when we think think about it, most of the time when we think, we think in words, we don't think in abstracts, right? So transformation is linguistic until you find the right words to say and how to say them, like Michael says, the tone and the inflection and the context of what you're saying, you can only bring about transformation by using the words, by repeating them, And you said the right words. Okay, I think I got a a, a few minutes. So that drives me to the first pillar, which is positioning, unique positioning. And most people ask me, well, Hector, I don't know how to pick a niche. I don't know how to pick a specialty. I don't know how to go about uh, doing that. And I don't don't have an answer for you on how to pick a niche or which specialty to pick. But I do have an answer or a a suggestion or a framework on, on how you can think about at least the most important part, which is communicating that niche. Because if you specialize, like I specialize on manufacturing, if I didn't say it every time I say something, people wouldn't know. If I don't have 10 videos about manufacturing, people wouldn't know. If I don't write about manufacturing, people wouldn't know. Most people say I specialize, but it all stays in their head. It's like, dude, if you specialize and nobody knows that you specialize, you don't specialize, period. Right. So in order to to have a successful positioning, you got to be able to communicate it. So. There's a couple ways to think about positioning. One, there's the vertical, right? There's the industry. Also, company size is a it's a it's a vertical positioning, right? Little companies, big companies, companies with so many employees that's a vertical positioning. There's also entity type positioning. Like I know I have a friend, accountant that only. Does S-corps. I have another friend accountant that only does partnerships of two. Like he won't take a partnership of three. He will only take a partnership of two. And I'll be like, what, "What? why? And he's like, well, in my previous life, I was in arbitration. and I'm really, really good at helping negotiate. And partnerships of two, the biggest advisory opportunity is help them untangle when they don't agree. And, and you know what? That's so true. How many of our clients are two partners 50-50 and they're deadlocked on stuff? And, and one partner is talking crap about the other partner and it's so unproductive. So I understand why that person would niche in that. And I understand how, how that person can bring about change and transform two people partnerships. So that's a type of vertical. So it's not just industry. People get stuck on in industry and, 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 and most people get, uh, just get scared about industry. Uh, as a, as a, so don't th- it's not just industry. There's also horizontal uh, positioning, which is all about the type of problem. So working with QuickBooks is a horizontal problem. Working with QuickBooks Enterprise is even a narrower horizontal problem. Working with QuickBooks Enterprise specializing on inventory and manufacturing, it's even a deeper horizontal problem. Now, some horizontal problems talk about the current unwanted state or the future desired state. So a current unwanted state is where people are now. So I'm working with clients that are growing, right? Right but in their growth, they're messy, right? That's a current unwanted state. If you communicate, I want people with messy books, right? Or I want people that want to retire in five years. I want people that want to sell their business in five years. I want people that are looking for funding, right? That's a future desired state. So you can communicate to um, you know, where the client wants to be, Okay. There's also a specialized or unique skill positioning, which is, which is all about, this is more internal this is about what you do what's specific to you right so so are you re- do you have a, are you faster than everyone else or are you good at finding specific errors are you good at finding fraud are you look at are you really good at adjusting inventory uh, uh, reports so that's really when it comes down to the specific skill set of the consultant and then the vertex to me which is the sweet spot is picking a vertical picking a horizontal picking a specialized skills and go super narrow in that and learn how to communicate. it. So I'm going to skip a couple of these slides so I can go to my uh, positioning statement. So this is the example of, of how I started. Okay, I started by saying, I want to work with manufacturers. And my first way of communicating is I'm an accountant for manufacturing companies. That's not bad, by the way. You know, I call myself an accountant, which puts me in a category. And manufacturing companies is a vertical niche. And then I, I started working on it, and I, and I actually had a, a person help me with this. I had a coach help me with this. My next step was: I'm an accountant that specializes in inventory workflow management for manufacturers. Because I wanted to, I wanted to specify that I wanted to communicate that is inventory workflow management. But then this got too wordy, too convoluted, difficult to communicate. So I went through multiple iterations, and my. And my new positioning statement, or my most recent one, is I help owners of busy manufacturing businesses take more vacations. See, that that was transformative. When I thought about that, and when I worked, I thought that was transformative. Because I'm now using multiple things in a, in a simple sentence. I'm using multiple things. And there's two parts of it, by the way. So first I say, I help owners of busy manufacturing businesses take more vacations. And I shut up, and I don't, see any, I don't say anything else. If whoever I communicate that to ask me, well, can you tell me how you do that? Right? Because this is kind of abstract. Then I go to my second sentence, which is by implementing a process to have and keep accurate inventory workflows that the entire organization can flow in real time. So I use my first positioning statement in a very simple way, elegant, right? I help owners of busy manufacturing businesses take more vacations. And my second one is the nerdy deep into the vertical, deep into the specialty in there. Now, when I break this down, we look, think about all the components. Busy, the word busy means what? For the most part, chaotic, right? Wrong inventory, uh, work orders all over the place, um, backed up, right? So it's got some negative connotations. This is what I call the current undesired state. I don't want manufacturing businesses that are super successful and got their stuff together. There's really not much I can do there, right? I, I'm, I, I'm good at fixing inventory problems. So I communicate that I'm looking for the busy ones. I didn't say the bad ones or the wrong ones or the successful ones or the rich ones. I said the busy ones. And the second thing is desired future state. What is the desired future state? Take more vacations. Then my vertical focus is there, which is manufacturing businesses. And then on, this, on the second part of my positioning statement, I talk about my horizontal focus, which is help uh, keep accurate inventory workflows for the entire organization. So I'll end it like that. Um, I, th- I think it's important for you to see how simple and how elegant uh, it can be to, uh, and you can hit all the points and, and be on a vertex. And I got to tell you, when manufacturing clients call me, they don't, they don't balk on price. They don't ask me for my credentials. They don't say, how do I know that you know what you're doing? When, when they get to me, because I communicated this very well, they're saying, when can you start and who to write the check to? And, and, and you want to be in that position, position of trust, position of expertise. So um, I explain why I take more vacations. I'll, I'll cover that real quick. So this is the inspirational part of the, of, of, of the sentence, just in case my client gets interested on why I take more vacations. I say very simply, when I started my practice, the hardest thing for me was to take a vacation. So I implemented internal workflows that allow me to delegate, allow me to leverage. So I know the pains of not being able to take a vacation. And, and, and I, I appreciate when you're a busy business owner that you have the same pain points. And manufacturers, like accountants, are in the transformation business. So I love them. So that's the backstory how I got there. And that's just sort of the the, the real application, how you get the unique positioning statement. As a quick preview, I I show you sort of uh, my new the new one I'm testing, which is I am the QuickBooks consultant for manufacturers with messy inventory. I do that to specifically target uh, people that are that are in that undesired future state that have urgency and they want to pay a lot of money to solve the problems quickly. And then to the presentation, we're going to talk about formulation and different versions of it. So in the workshop at QuickBooks Connect, uh, we'll have the opportunity to practice that with, uh, with uh, other, other folks in there. So ideally we would have, uh, we'll present this part and they will break up into groups and we'll let people sort of test out their own and get feedback and then we'll get back and teach some more. But there's other components to this as well. So I hope, uh, hope I didn't go over my time.
0: Uh, Hector, it's Hector Garcia. You went over your time, but uh, great job. Awesome job uh i loved it i love the content i i um i need to make sure i i i can attend i hope we're not i hope we're not teaching our sessions at the same time because i want to be in your session so so it's uh i think it's it's really rich i think there's a lot to it you could probably spend the whole session on just positioning statement and working through it and helping people master it so i think the key will be i've said this to you before just less is more um and helping people really understand how do they make this really stick, something just like even that really stick. So, um, so luckily, you're, I think your session is a hundred minutes. So, you know, whoever's listening, make sure you sign up. If you if you got even just for this little piece, the content's going to be rich. Um, so that's great, Andrew.
1: Yeah, I mean, you did a great job, Hector. Uh, it's hard to critique that one. I mean, you made it personal. You had a good pace, good energy. Uh, lots of content Uh, i I guess michael to michael's point is is you know maybe it's going to be hard to absorb all that much content it's great content and Mm -hmm. delivered well personalized you know i I think if if i can criticize one thing the only thing i think i can criticize is that it's a boring and dull slide deck but i think (laughs) that's probably done intentionally too so people are focusing on you so i'm guessing that that's probably strategic
2: uh, the, the slide deck is a little prettier once it gets the QuickBooks Connect formatting. Uh, that was actually the one we submitted before the formatting. And for copyright issues and stuff, we didn't want to put the, a QuickBooks Connect logo up there. So that's that was actually the rough draft of it. The, the new one's a little bit shorter, a little bit more succinct, but it's still jam-packed. I mean, that's yeah. I'm really bad at keeping things short. I'm an overachiever in nature. So I, I expect the audience to want an avalanche of ideas. So that's my challenge. And I've I've gotten trying, I've, I've been trying to get coaching around uh, being more succinct. And I, I just can't. It's not part of my personality. So <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best to uh, sort of shorten it and do more pauses, let people think about it. But we'll see how much we can get done. I'll tell you the good news. The good news is that I, uh, in a practice run that I did, I pre recorded the whole thing and I saved it. So I'm gonna give people the link to be able to watch it later on. So that's great. if it turns out uh, a catastrophe because it was an avalanche of ideas, I say you know what, don't worry about it. I'm gonna give you a link and you can watch it again uh, afterwards. So it, yeah. that actually turned out to be really, really. And if,
0: I think if I think if people walk out of your session and they get one thing is go create a really clear, concise positioning statement. That's a big win. They don't have to get all of it, and then they can you know listen and watch later. But you know where did so now. I want to make sure people people know, where do they sign up? Where can they go to sign up for the workshop that you're going to be doing post QuickBooks Connect, the four-week workshop, um, where you're going to be really going deep and helping people be accountable and implementing this?
2: Sure. So, yeah, so uh, so warning, advertising ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Michael and I, are actually, we got, we got together and we're going to do a uh, a workshop called the Alt Accountant Workshop, which is going to be, Uh, more of a group coaching version of this Mm -hmm. where we're going to break down positioning as one uh, innovation as another one pricing and we're going to do a couple exercises and as a group we're going to have I I think the goal was four to five people per group we're going to teach the framework and we're going to give people an exercise said you're going to go write your positioning statement and and we're going to add some conditions or we're going to add some some specific uh things that they have to do before to get there, some sort of internal exercises. And then they have to present to their small group uh, the rough draft idea. The small group is going to critique it. Michael and I will critique it as well. We'll have different groups. And then people at the end will go back and reword it and do their final plan for each of the exercises, positioning, pricing, innovation, and advisory. Those are the four big ones, positioning, pricing, innovation, and advisory. If you got those four, trust me, you're going to have a successful practice like I do, like Andrew does, like Michael does, and many of our colleagues. So uh, so right now, the, the website's still being built. It's HectorGarcia.com forward slash alt accountant. Um, we don't have a, a, a sound price yet. We're trying to figure that out. But if you're going to go to QuickBooks Connect, definitely check it out. There's obviously mm-hmm. no cost to that. If you're not going to QuickBooks Connect, and this topic is interesting to you, Michael's uh, conversation topic is about advisory topics, my positioning and pricing topics. Uh, I I recommend that you that, that that you take it. It'll be a big investment, but it's very transformative. I already did this earlier this year. We had six people on it. All six people gave raving reviews and we might even bring them in for to help us kind of wrangle all you know, all the people that 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 sign in. So for now it's HectorGarcia.com forward slash alt accountant. I'm still trying to get the alt accountant domain name working correctly, but we also own altaccountant.com. So
0: yeah, that's great. That's great, Andrew. Well, if you haven't signed up for your sessions for next week, definitely do it. They're getting full. I think I saw it was in the app today trying to make sure I got into ones I wanted and some of them were full. So get into your sessions on the app. I think they're going to stay pretty strict on, on making sure people signed up first, get into the room before people who hadn't. Um, Andrew, you have any final words about next week, about tonight? Um, any final thoughts?
1: I'm just looking forward to seeing you guys in person, hanging out with a whole bunch of uh, our community in real life. i um, excited to see how it's going to shape up this year. It's always a blast. It's always good times. You know, there's going to be great content. We're going to be pivoting. We're going to be, you know, making, uh, you know, adapting on on the fly as we figure out what sessions we go to. I bet you there's a lot of people who are now in their apps, like I got to change, I got to, (laughs) whatever I had booked when Hector is speaking, I'm now going to book Hector's session. Um, And so there's definitely going to be lots of great conversations and and, uh, lots of drinks and um, lots of great content. So I'm excited. I can't
0: wait. And then we're going to have a special debrief episode we're going to try to do right after QuickBooks Connect so that before the three of us fly off to our, back to our homes. So we'll uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll do a special debrief episode and uh, maybe you can catch us doing it in person together. We're going to find a secret place yeah. to do it. So
1: that might actually happen. That'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> That'd be great. So, all right, guys, have a good night. Have a great weekend. I, I looking forward to seeing you guys starting Tuesday. See you next week.
2: Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome.
0: <laughs> unicorn, unicorn.
2: Join Andrew.